Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, Anaheim steals three out of four possible points against Colorado, Gibby saves the day, and a reflection on Kobe Bryant. All of this on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everyone? It is Tuesday. Apologies for not having a show yesterday, but we are back today. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. And we've got a lot to talk about today. But before we get into all that, a reminder, you can hear this show via Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts can be heard. Also, make sure to rate, five stars, comment, subscribe if you have not already. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. Follow my personal Twitter at StimpyJD and all that jazz. All right, let's get into it. The Ducks played two games over the weekend, and I can't believe that the Ducks actually stole three out of four points against the mighty Avalanche. Maybe the Ducks are a little better than we thought, or Colorado's a little bit worse than we thought. The the jury's still out on this because it is still early in the season, but let's talk about both these games that took place. Uh, First game happened Friday night where Colorado came to town, and boy, this was a doozy. That was probably one of the better games of the season. Okay, first off, Sonny Milano was out, so Max Jones came in. That might make a big difference because I really liked Max Jones in that first line with Getzloff and Raquel. Uh, I thought Getze had a better series. I thought Raquel had a better series overall. Of course, the Ducks had a couple of power plays early on. (laughs) That did not go their way. Oh, by the way, they also gave up a power play goal early on. Uh, Colorado had their early lead on that game. They scored first just maybe three minutes into the game. It was one nothing Colorado early on. It was one nothing for a while. Then the Ducks went on two power plays. Nothing happened. Again, the passing game, not so good. So then we go into the second period, and right away, the Ducks came out with a ton of energy at the start of the second period, something that we have not seen in a long time. And it started with... Hampus Lindholm just ripping one from about the faceoff dot, and that tied things up at one. I thought he had a very good possession on that one and just let it fly right off of the glove of Grubauer. So that was a score after two periods. Then the third period got rather interesting. That was a little bit of a strange one. Uh, first off, the Ducks, they went on a penalty kill to start the third period, thanks to a couple penalties. Or at least a one penalty, rather. Colorado luckily didn't score there. But then later on in that period, with about 15, 14 minutes left, Bowen Byram, he had a filthy pass to Miko Rontanen to make it 2-1 Colorado. This was where the speed of Bowen Byram really came in handy here. The speed, the youth. He is the complete package. He's going to be a great NHL player for his career. He's going to have a long career. And this just starts it. So 2-1 Colorado. But then, only a few minutes after that, oh, Uncle Rico's back. Adam Henrique tied the game at two goals apiece, sending this one into, oh, wait, is it maybe overtime? No, 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 no. Hampus Lindholm, uh, as he was trying to save the puck from going in the net, he covered the puck with the hands in his crease. So that resulted in a penalty shot late in the game. Very late. And guess who was on the ice and close to the puck when that happened? Nathan McKinnon. 
Yes, the MVP candidate had a penalty shot against John Gibson. If there was a crowd there, they would have all been standing up and watching this one with their mouths open. John Gibson made an incredible glove save, just beat McKinnon, and that kept the game tied at two goals apiece, and that kept it tied going into overtime. If McKinnon scores that goal, it's 3-2, game is over, because no way that Anaheim's going to score with an extra man on. You know what's going to happen. If McKinnon scores that goal, they will have a 3-2 lead, then they'll score an empty netter because they will have all the momentum. As soon as Gibson made that save, it felt like so much changed in that game. The momentum was clearly on Anaheim's side, and they came close to winning it in the third period, but on the power play, they did not score, so we were headed to more overtime again. And what do you think happened in overtime? Again. The Ducks lost in overtime. Again. But give credit to the Ducks for at least stealing a point away from Colorado. John Gibson earned that point. He earned a star on that one. So that made it 3-2. to two. Oh, but we go to the following game. The following game was even more fun. And I'll go more in-depth into John Gibson later on in the podcast. But he was outstanding. Easily the number one star of the game. So right away, Uncle Rico... He passed it to Jakob Silverberg for a goal. This was early in the game. This was maybe a minute in. Where maybe just a minute before. Somehow the goal light went off. And that caused about a three minute delay. So that was weird in itself. The three minute delay because there was no goal judge there. They had to turn it off manually. So immediately after that happened. The goal happened and it was one nothing Ducks. And it was one nothing Ducks for the longest time. But then after that. It goes to second period. And what happens there? The Ducks score again. Am I seeing this right? The Ducks score again? Yeah. What I liked, and thanks to Felix Sicard for pointing this out, is he matched the Derek Grant line against the McKinnon line. I'll talk about that in a second. So after the Ducks really had a piss-poor attempt at another power play, which did not go well, at least they had some great penalty killing there. The Elite 1C. There was one moment on one of those penalty kills where he took the puck away at the blue line, passed it to himself off the dasher boards and balanced it to himself, beat his defender to get to the puck. And he actually had a scoring chance. He had a scoring opportunity on the other side. It would have been a shorty opportunity. Uh, Puck didn't go in, but I love Derek Grant's play for that type of style. He likes to get into those zones. Uh, his gritty style of just stealing the puck away and really just grinding it out and using his body to guard the puck against the defenseman, that's the kind of little things which is why Derek Grant signed the contract. And that's why he is beloved in Anaheim as the hashtag Elite1C. So great to see that. But then it was a 2-0 lead as Ricard Raquel had a nice pass from Ryan Getzloff. So Getzloff, uh, he had the puck. He was kind of cruising along behind the goal line and he made it off to the goalie's right and just kind of going against the boards, against the boards, against the boards, waiting, waiting, waiting. And he lulled the defense to sleep because it looked like Getzloff was going in slow motion there. And he had a cross-ice pass right across the Royal Road to Ricard Raquel, 
who was coming in, and he just let that one in. And that made it 2-0 Anaheim. Later in the third period, Colorado came to within one goal. But Gibson saved the day once again. And late in the game, Hampus Lindholm scored an empty net goal to make it a 3-1 final score. A supreme victory for the Anaheim Ducks. And something that I can't believe I'm going to say. The Ducks took three out of four possible points against the Colorado Avalanche. That is amazing that they pulled off this feat. So congrats to the Ducks once again. And we'll talk more about John Gibson after the intermission. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. They're a very trusted online sportsbook where they have every sport imaginable, including the NHL. Of course, the Ducks are not the favorites tonight. So if you feel confident that the Ducks will get a winning streak going, then make a bet on betonline.ag. And on your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON that'll get you a 50% welcome bonus. And once again, betonline.ag is the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And coming up after the intermission, we'll give some stars away. And in fact, we're going to talk all about John Gibson on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. And before we give some love to John Gibson, I just want to point out a couple things. With the pair of assists this weekend, guess who is leading the Ducks in points right now? If you had said Carter Rowney, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, Carter Rowney is the leading scorer for the Anaheim Ducks right now with four points. That leads the team. After that, you have Max Comtois, Nick Delorier, and Ryan Getzloff all with three points. Your leading goal scorer is still Max Comtois with three goals. Your leading goal scorers are Max Comtois, Nick Delorier, and Hampus Lindholm. Comtois has three. Lindholm has two goals, and so does Delorier. Yeah, I don't believe it either. Your top lines are not producing like they want to yet, although they have shown some signs in the past couple of games. And I did want to point this out a little bit more. Putting the Derek Grant line against the top line of Colorado was kind of a stroke of genius because it allowed those top lines to produce a little bit more on offense on Friday's game and a little bit on Sunday's game. But Friday's game, it was actually fairly even as far as shot attempts. Shot attempts were 65-60 to Colorado, and shots on goal, uh, they weren't that bad. But then you look at the other game, (laughs) Sunday's game, it was all Colorado. Shot attempts were 70 to 42 in favor of Colorado. 70 to 42. Shots were 33 to 15 in favor of the Avalanche. At least on the other game, the Ducks had the shooting advantage. They were 38 to 32 shots on goal as far as the Ducks on Friday. Although a lot of those shots came on even strength because the Ducks are much better on even strength. So this goes to something that I want to talk about. Shots on goal. The Ducks allowed 33 shots on goal on Sunday. They allowed 32 the other night. 
Before that, they allowed 34. So John Gibson has seen a lot of action, particularly in that last game where they had 70 shot attempts against them to 42. Normally, that is not going to get it done. And somehow the Ducks won that game 3-1. to So you look at the shots against John Gibson. In the past three games, he's had 99 shots against him and saved 95 of them. Because of that valiant effort by John Gibson, he was named the number three star of the week by the National Hockey League for this past week. So congratulations to John Gibson on being the third star of the entire week. It is well deserved. John Gibson is one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League right now and is probably the main reason why the Ducks are where they are. Because look at their goals for. They've scored 11 11 goals in six games. That is it. Only 11 goals. I could could count them out right now. Comtois has three. Delorier has two. Lindholm has two. Then the others are Henrik Silverberg, Raquel, and Cam Fowler. That's it. That's really it. Oy. When your entire team scores 11 goals, that's not good. Considering that every other team has way more goals than that, it's not a good-looking stat. So then you have to rely on that last line of defense, and John Gibson has been that. He's been an all-star in the past. He's been all NHL. He's been one of the top three stars before. John Gibson has seen a lot of accolades in his career. He is probably in his prime right now or entering his prime. So if you're the Ducks, you do not want to let that go to waste. Maybe this year will kind of seem like a wash because of where they are talent-wise. But look at next season. I think next season we will see John Gibson in his prime. The Ducks are going to open up a lot more cap space. The Ducks need the defense right behind him. When you have Ducks that are injured and your defensive line is short, yeah, it's not going to look good. When you have, okay, Lindholm has been fine. Yeah, he's been good on defense. Jacob Larson, he's even been okay on defense. But then when John, when Josh Manson is going to be out for six weeks, you're stuck with having Andy Walensky in there. Uh, Yanni Hockenpah, he's in there. Kevin Shattenkirk had a great start, but he's had a miserable couple of games against the Colorado Avalanche. In fact, over the last two games, Shaddy's taken four penalties, and they were not good penalties at all. He did not have a good weekend at all. So then you rely on John Gibson once again. Uh, Here's some of his season stats. He is 2-1-2. In his five starts, he's accounted for six points. For the Anaheim Ducks. Again, he is the reason the Ducks even have six points this season. He has seen 160 shots and saved 150 of them. His goals against is 2.01. His save percentage for the season is 9.38. That is amazing. Your save percentage is that high in five games. I would consider that very good. In fact, I would consider that, dare I say, elite. Yeah, I'm going to say it. He's been elite this season. Yeah, sure, the Ducks missed out on Pierre-Luc Dubois, and it would have been nice to have that kind of young defensive player on the Ducks. It might save John Gibson a few saves. That's fine. But Gibby is the reason the Ducks are where they're at. 
the reason. Yes, you could say, oh, what about Derek Grant? No, it's John Gibson. Okay, what about Getze? He's had some good assists. No, it's been John Gibson. Don't think that the offense is better than they are. The, the offense is terrible. Look at their power play. Their power play is 0 for the century. They are still the only team in the National Hockey League that has not scored a power play goal. In fact, they are the only team in the NHL with a net negative power play percentage because they've allowed shorthanded goals. So look at their special teams. It's not that good. That's not going to be the reason that the Ducks are in it. It's going to be John Gibson. He's going to be the reason that the Ducks are in it. Some more unbelievable stats on John Gibson. And this thanks to Evolving Hockey. So first off, he's played five games already and has had a time on ice of about 300 minutes. That's been amazing. The expected goals against against John Gibson would be 14.47. So apparently... There's supposed to be an expected amount of goals against him of 14. That is second, or sorry, third in the entire league. Thatcher Demko has 15. And believe it or not, tops of that list is Darcy Kemper of the Coyotes with 16.11. Kemper has seen a plethora of shots this season in five games. And so has Thatcher Demko in only four games. So you look at that stat and you go... Man, the Ducks' defense is really making him do all the work, and that's exactly right. The Ducks are making him do all the work. His save percentage is a 937-3, which is amazing. This is the amazing stat, again, courtesy of Evolving Hockey. His GSAX, that stands for Goals Saved Above Expected. That stat is at 4.42. That, by far, leads the National Hockey League you have Simeon Varlamov also at 4, but you have Mackenzie Blackwood at about 3.9. Then it falls off tremendously after that. Marc-Andre Fleury, 3.06. Anton Kudobin, 2.65. No, John Gibson is way up there. That is a GSA expected. Yeah, goal saved above expected is really high for John Gibson. So that means if you replace John Gibson with an average goalie, there would be four and a half more goals allowed. They don't win those games. I look back at the game where his G, where his GSAX was about 3.2. He saved that game. I look at the game this past weekend, the Sunday game. If a regular goalie was in there, the Ducks would not have won that game on Sunday. No chance, given the amount of chances, the amount of shot attempts, the amount of shots. Yeah, no way that happens. So I look at some other stats. Uh, and this is courtesy of Hockey Stats CZ or Hockey Stats CZ. In the game two nights ago against Colorado, his GSAX was 1.78 in just that game. His save percentage was 97%. The high danger save percentage was 80%. That is amazing. So this is through five starts. He is third in the league in shots faced. He's third in the league in goals saved above average. And check that. He's now first in the league in goals saved above average. He is first in high danger shots faced. And he is first in the league in expected goals against. 976. Yeah. John Gibson is first in the league in a bunch of insane categories. That makes you think, man, there should be more goals against him. But there just isn't. He's at the top of his game right now. And I'm not going to go out on a huge limb here. 
but maybe, just maybe, he should be in at least some conversations for the Vesna Trophy this season. And before we get into the intermission, just a little bit more John Gibson love. Look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Today is a very somber anniversary. And I do like that John Gibson has the Kobe Bryant mask. He wore it all throughout the end of last season. And I'm sure that John Gibson, assuming that he starts against the Coyotes, he's going to wear that Kobe Bryant tribute mask as well he should. So we're going to talk about that after the second intermission. But first, let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the land with plenty of fantastic flavors, including orange, raspberry, cherry barcia, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. They are packed with only 4 grams of sugar, but they're packed with 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. And most importantly, for those that are allergic, they are made in a nut-free facility. So check out their nut-free protein bars at builtbar.com and enter promo code locked on to get 20% off your next order of built bar once again that's builtbar.com the best tasting protein bar in the land after the intermission we're gonna have a small tribute to kobe bryant stay locked in welcome back to locked on anaheim ducks part of the locked on podcast network You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. And on this segment, I have absolutely no script, nothing in front of me. This is just me talking from the heart. It was a year ago that the unfortunate passing of Kobe Bryant took place. And not just Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, the Antebellis. In all, nine people perished in that tragic helicopter crash that took place in the Calabasas Hills this time a year ago. And I do want to talk about that a little bit because Kobe Bryant was a big part of the Orange County community. There have been countless stories of people running into Kobe Bryant at a various restaurant at the market. You know, Kobe Bryant is, he was just like all of us, you know, just out and about doing his stuff, uh, running his errands, picking up groceries, picking up food for his family. I know I saw a story recently where Kobe Bryant frequented a shop where his daughter loved the French toast there. And in fact, that restaurant now has Gianna's French toast, which I think is kind of neat. And you just hear all these stories of Kobe Bryant. He also frequented Disneyland a lot. As you guys know, this is an Orange County show locked on ducks. And I used to have a Disneyland annual pass up until recently when they discontinued that. But Kobe Bryant, he was a frequent guest at Disneyland. And you'd see all the time where people spotted him. They'd take pictures. They would say a quick hello. You know, you'd say hello to Kobe Bryant. He'd just wave right back. He didn't sign autographs, obviously. But he also didn't shy away from everyone. Kobe got right in the middle of the park. He went about his day, was with his family. And for the most part... I will say people were pretty respectful at Disneyland. Yeah, they would just say hi. They wouldn't like run up to him, but they would at least wave and say hi. And they gave him the love and he gave the love right back to all the fans, not just in Orange County on the basketball court. Obviously, he gave the love back and none more important than that final game that he played. This was almost five years ago. I'm looking at the lanyard right now where I was at Kobe's last game. I was also at his first game. 
all the way back in 1996. And I've shared this story in the past where uh, my mom took me to Kobe's first game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I had a couple tickets to Kobe's final game. And I could have taken some best friends. I could have taken a multitude of people. But I also could have sold them. I decided, no, I'm going to take my mom. My mom took me to his first game. I'm taking her to his last game. That's that's just the way it was. And that game was very emotional. Obviously, the 60 points was very impressive. But the speech he gave after the game where he thanked the fans and thanked everybody. And he was there with his daughters. And his daughters are just sitting there in disbelief that their dad scored 60 points against the Utah Jazz. That was still unbelievable. And I know if you listen to Locked On Lakers today or any of the other Locked On programs, I know they will have some remembrances on Kobe Bryant as well. I'm speaking from the heart here because I've seen Kobe play a multitude of times, me being here in Southern California. Yeah, I grew up a Lakers fan. I grew up a big Kobe Bryant fan. You know, those three Pete Championship days, they were surreal even back then. The back-to-back in 2009 and 2010, those were amazing. But even just getting a glimpse of Kobe Bryant, just seeing him around Orange County, that meant a lot. You know, just seeing him that up close there with his family. Having an autographed copy of his last book, and I have it right next to me, um, something that I will treasure forever, is the autographed book by Kobe Bryant when he had the autographs at Barnes & Noble. I mean, that that's amazing that I have this. Um, yeah, thanks to Borscht28 for that. And he's been on the show before, Paul. So thanks. Big shout out to Paul. Oh, boy. Um, just so many emotions here about this game. At this time last year, I was getting ready to record a podcast later that night, but couldn't have the heart to do it because of what had taken place. And there was just a plethora of emotions. So this time last year was the AHL All-Star Weekend here in Ontario, California. And even before the skills contest took place, I was working a youth competition and I was working some other stuff revolving around All-Star Weekend. So I was already working at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. I was already having a long day, but it was very fun. And then I see the news In between games, I look at my phone and I see the initial reports that Kobe Bryant may have passed away. And then right before the next game was going to start, I saw that first tweet that was 30 seconds old that said that Kobe Bryant perished. All I could do is just retweet it and just tweet my own thoughts and disbelief. I actually delayed the game by a minute so I could tweet that out and say like, hey, hold on. You know, so I wanted to get that out. So a couple of people went up to the box and asked me, hey, what's going on? You okay? And I just showed them the phone and they're like, oh my God, like they couldn't believe it. So word started to spread very slowly around all the sporting areas, around the hockey rinks, because Kobe Bryant transcended basketball. He transcended sports. He was not only a figure in basketball. He was not only a figure in Orange County. He was a giant figure all around Southern California. When even that news dominates the entire Southern California sports landscape, you know he meant that much. And even walking up to Toyota Arena last year for the skills contest, 
I could remember I had this feeling of excitement, but also this feeling of I can't believe that this news happened. So yeah, I did see some fans in Ontario wearing Kobe Bryant jerseys. They were wearing basketball jerseys at a hockey all-star event. That would normally not happen. But then you see these fans trickling into Toyota Arena. And I know that my friend Sarah Avampado, um, friend of the program, friend of the network, Sarah Avampado, she hosts Locked on LA Kings, uh, my favorite friend of me, uh, and we've become good friends. She was also there that day. And we talked about it for, for a minute. And we're just like, do we see a Kobe Bryant jersey there? And even she said, you know, only Kobe Bryant would elicit this kind of response. And she was right. Only Kobe Bryant could bring this kind of love throughout the fan base. And even before the all-star skills competition and before the game, there was a moment of silence, a very long moment of silence for Kobe Bryant and the family. Just a little tidbit. Kobe did also play in that building in Ontario back in 2008, 2009, 2010, all the way up until about 2016. The Lakers used to play preseason games in Ontario, California, and Kobe would play in a bunch of those games. So for the rain and for the league to do that, to have that moment of silence for Kobe Bryant, I thought was perfect. It was poignant. Something I will never forget. I mean, this time last year, yes, we should be celebrating the fact that this time last year, Martin Furk shot the puck 109 miles an hour, breaking an all-time record in the hardest shot. But because this is Southern California and because everyone's talking about it, this is the unfortunate one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant passing away. Rest in peace to not only Kobe, but the eight others that were in that unfortunate helicopter crash that took place a year ago. I, I still can't believe it. And again, I'm just speaking right from the heart because Kobe Bryant meant that much to me, to a lot of people around me, to the community of Orange County, to Southern California, to countless Lakers fans. I put myself in more than one category. I am a Lakers fan. I am part of this Orange County community. So once again, uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace to Gianna. Rest in peace to the Antebellis. Rest in peace to everyone that was in that helicopter that day. All of them passing away one year ago today. I know it's kind of a somber ending to this podcast, but I thought it was appropriate because we were talking about John Gibson and Gibson has the Kobe Bryant mask. And just as I was recording this, I see a tweet that John Gibson is wearing that Kobe Bryant mask today in Arizona. So we might see him start and we might see him wearing that mask today. That's amazing. So just a reminder, there is a Ducks game tonight. It is going to be against the Coyotes. That will be a 6 o'clock start. So be sure to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. It is greatly appreciated. You can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you want to send me an email, LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. Follow this show on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. And once again, make sure to listen to Locked On Bets, Locked On Today. But most of all, listen to Locked On NBA, uh, Locked On Lakers. I know that they're going to have a nice perspective on Kobe Bryant today as well. 
All right. Thank you all once again for listening. It is greatly appreciated. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a good rest of the day. Please be kind to one another and Ducks fly together. Thank you.